we're here with Kelsey. Thanks for coming on the High Maintenance Podcast, Kelsey. How are you going? <laughs> it's doing, doing well here. Thank you so much for having me. No, you're welcome. I appreciate the time you're taking out of your day as well, being a nurse in the current situation, just to hopefully this is like a little bit of a break for you to just talk about training and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Training or lack thereof in this climate. Um, training has been pretty sparse lately, but still trying to get it done. But yeah. Oh, really? So you had like a high um, reliance on gyms, which I assume are closed for you. Right. So I mean, just this this week, they're kind of gradually opening. But at my gym of choice, we have to sign up for certain time slots there can't be more than 10 folks in at a time so it's kind of um it's intermittent training when i can get it in and then i have um you know some materials at home i utilize when i when i think about it but training at home for whatever reason is a lot harder than you would think i don't know if anyone Mm. else out there can relate but it's like you have all your stuff at home but like the hardest steps are just to wherever wherever it's all stored you know and then once you get in there and get going it's okay but yeah yeah, hundred percent. Are you talking like, uh, do you have legit weights at home, or is it more just the mobility and stretching kind of stuff? Yeah, so I have I have like a jump rope. I have a not even kidding. I think twenty year old treadmill. It only goes up to like ten miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a fifteen kilo little bar, and then two ten kilo bumper plates. So I'm kind of limited on what I can do, but still make quite a bit happen with those with those items yeah yeah for sure like given what you do for your training i can't imagine that would feel like give you the feeling of getting a good workout yeah. at all it leaves it leaves <laughs> it leaves me wanting some i won't lie about that <laughs> yeah and then i wonder how it's going to go if there's got a 10 person limit at the gym like i don't know how busy your gym is but i can imagine those slots would feel like heaps quick for sure. And then especially during like those, you know, popular times, like right off, right after work, like, you know, five o'clock, six o'clock at night, you know, stuff like that is where it's people are rushing in to get there. You know, they have, mm. they don't have group classes anymore, which was a huge part of it. And so that at least makes it a little bit easier to get in, not having to fight with like the group classes, but still, still uh, pretty trying to get in there. But I should count my blessings, at least like I'm able to go in there. Some people who still can't, and haven't been able to get into a gym for many moons, I'm sure it seems. So I'm, I'm pretty fortunate that if I find a time, I can at least get in there and get some stuff done. Yeah, it seems interesting that you even have the gyms opening because from Australia's perspective, America's still getting hit quite hard. I don't know if it's right. like the, um, the details are more that it's like we here America, but perhaps it's just New York that's getting smashed, for example. Right. But um, we've only had, I'm in the state of New South Wales in Australia, and we had um, three cases in the last 24 hours, but we still have our gyms closed with no idea really yet when they'll be getting open. Right. Um, Are you like, would you feel comfortable going back to the gym anyway? You know, I do just because like I'm, there's never hardly any people when I'm there. So I'm not really, you know, I'm not really around a lot of people when I've, when I've found a time to go in. Um, Mm. And then my gym owner is doing such a fantastic job. So, you know, those like um, sprayers that you use to like spray weeds with, you know, you can kind of fill up the little, little tub and it's, oh yeah, yeah. So he's got that just like jam packed full of like sanitizer and does that like every couple hours just like he's spraying for weeds but he's just spraying for the COVID you know 
Um, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they're taking a lot of good precautions. And if I see more than so many cars in the parking lot that I just kind of stay away anyways, I'm more concerned. Not so I mean, like, of course, I don't want to get it. But with my job, I, I'm, I'm more concerned about keeping it out of the assisted living I work at because I do work with a more yeah. vulnerable you know, population, you know, they're elderly and stuff like that, where like if they get even like influenza or the common cold, you know, it can take them out permanently. And um, so that's just something I'm really cautious about too. Um, yeah. yeah, that's why he's sticking with that 15 kilo bar whenever you can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <at home>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, um, yeah, trying to kind of just go in like just whenever necessary, like if I want to hit something like just really super heavy you know, find time to do that. Otherwise I do make time just to do it at home. Yeah. Um, what I usually do, Kelsey, when I have people on the first question I like to ask, I just kind of wanted to see how things were on your, in your neck of the woods, like over in America with the current situation. But what I usually like to do is get you to talk about, um, your training background, like kind of where you started, uh, your fitness journey, whether it was as a kid, a teenager, an adult and where you are today with your training and if it's changed over time and yeah definitely yeah that's a pretty loaded question because I would say like I thought it would be for you yeah (laughs) (laughs) from from a young age I've always been really interested in you know sports athletics Um, my dad coached like our peewee basketball team when I was just a kid like you know four or five years old so I've always been you know involved in some kind of you know athletic uh, competition kind of sport Um, so when I was younger, I did like, you know, I did soccer, I did basketball, um, and then into high school where I did, you know, basketball, track, cross country. I did soccer for a while. Um, and then I was on the dance team. So, you know, I always get like shit about that. You know, if anyone ever sees me with my little pom-poms or whatever, but (laughs) I've um, seen you dance. I've not seen the (laughs) pom-poms. I I was more coordinated back then when I actually had something to do. Um, (laughs) And then um, I actually got the opportunity to run college cross country and college indoor and outdoor track um, as a freshman um, in college. And then my sophomore year is when I got pregnant with my daughter. So obviously I wasn't doing much running then. Um, Mm. But then it wasn't until I would say like my daughter turned a year or or two that I got into lifting. You know, I'd kind of done what I think a lot of women do when they're trying to lose weight, which is like crash diet, just spend like countless hours on treadmills and stair climbers and, you know, really just for lack of knowledge, you know, just, just dieting into the ground and, you know, doing cardio and upon cardio upon cardio. Um, but I did discover lifting when my daughter was about two or three years old, um, had started training with, um, someone who was familiar with powerlifting and he had suggested me doing a meet one day and I said, all right, well, if you can like get me ready for it, so I don't make a total ass of myself. And, um, how much prep did you get? Um, I think we worked together for about maybe six months before I did my first meet. Okay. Um, so it was a, a decent amount of time, but I mean, my numbers yeah. were pretty, uh, pedestrian, uh, compared to where they're at now. And I yeah. like to, I definitely like to tell folks that because you're like, how do I get this deadlift like yours? And I'm like, oh, shit, it did not start out <laughs> like that by a long shot. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, um, of course, powerlifting is kind of like the meat and potatoes of my training. But um, last year I did my first ever bodybuilding show. So training kind of shifted for that. And um, that's kind of where I'm at now is just, 
Um, now it's just about moving in any way that I can. Um, working out is kind of far and few between, between, you know, work and parenting and stuff like that. So it's just, you know, making short attainable goals for myself. Like, you know, I want to do, you know, make up some kind of little circuit I can do in my garage with running and, and the weights that I have. And, um, at this point until, you know, things can go back to quote unquote normal. Um, it's just, you know, getting some kind of movement in, you know, maybe it's going for a bike ride with my kids or like, you know, spending the entire afternoon on our little trampoline or whatever the case may be. But at this point, it's just, just to stay moving. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the most important at the moment with all the lockdown. If anyone had any, uh, reliance on gyms, it is just about if they feel they can't do anything, just about getting some movement going, Absolutely. whatever it is. Absolutely. Um, but if we can jump back, yeah. back to that um, part of your life where it sounds like you were quite athletic as a child and teenager. Yeah. Um, but when the pregnancy occurred and then you had your daughter um, and then there was that two year in between before you found weightlifting, mm-hmm. uh, what was that whole period like? Was it that through the pregnancy you kind of weren't doing anything? So you put on unwanted weight and then for two years, within that two years that she was, you know, zero to two, you were doing the things you mentioned like crash dieting and mm-hmm. cardio and then you discovered weightlifting from that or was it kind of weightlifting was the thing that quote unquote got you off the couch again (laughs) since the pregnancy like how did that whole process work I'm interested to how you that catalyst that got you interested in weightlifting for sure so when I was pregnant with my daughter I was still um, navigating through my bachelor's of science degree in nursing so um, you know if, if you're not really familiar with any kind of nursing program I mean it's just like you're always doing something, whether you're at the hospital, doing labs, um, clinical situations, simulations, stuff like that. There's just a ton. So it's very practical. Right. There's just a ton, a ton of busy work too, or seemingly busy work. And, um, I was not finding, well, I made a lot of excuses, I think at the time, because I was like, well, I'm pregnant. So, you know, I got to get this homework done, not knowing that like you, you know, you make time for what's important and it just really wasn't a priority for me at the time. Yep. Um, so after my daughter had turned one, I got in, uh, asked to be in a friend's wedding. Um, just knowing I was probably a good 20 to 30 pounds overweight. Um, so my daughter mm-hmm. turned one in May. This wedding was in August. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be, people are going to take pictures. I'm going to be like having to shove myself into a dress, like a sausage casing, like good Lord. <laughs> what am I going to do? And that's when I started kind of doing that crash dieting. Cause I'm like, I just need to lose as much weight as possible so I can feel somewhat confident in a, in a dr- bridesmaid dress. Yeah. That was my goal. So I, again, I mean, just really do not recommend this in any way, shape or form, but like I, you know, probably was limiting myself to like, you know, 500 calories a day, which I think about that now and absolutely wow. cringe because I know better. Um, but again, at that time I was like, I just want to look good for these pictures or at least feel comfortable in a dress, whatever the case may be. And I would spend like hours on my treadmill or like when my daughter was awake, I'd throw her in like, or, or even asleep, I'd throw her in her stroller and just, we'd go for a walk. Like I was always moving, never eating. And sure enough, the weight did come off, but I was kind of, I don't know, you know, like that. I hate to sound crass, but that skinny fat look where like, yeah. they're not, you know, you're not like overweight visibly, but you just don't look that healthy either. 
Yeah, you, you might look better in terms of how you said you did lose weight. Right. But in terms of well-being, you were probably quite weak, quite um, tired or those yeah. kind of feelings inside right. as opposed to how you could feel. Right. It just visibly wasn't a good look. Like whatever damage I'd done internally, you could see that externally. And yep. um, so uh, again, for the wedding, you know, I, I looked what, what I thought was appropriate. You know, I could fit into like a size six. I guess that was my goal, you know, to be able to fit into like a certain, you know, just some kind of like arbitrary number like that would somehow yep. make make the difference. And um then shortly after um, the wedding, um, I had like one more year of nursing school to get through um, where I was still just kind of going through the same kind of cardio. I just wanted to maintain where I was at. I didn't want to really, I didn't, wasn't super concerned at that point about losing anymore, but I didn't want to get big like I was after I had my daughter. Yeah. Um, after graduating nursing school, um, my family and I moved to New Mexico. I had a nursing job there. And that's where I, I found found weightlifting, found weight training. And so, yeah, it was that, that kind of describes that time after my daughter was born. Um, until so what, I found... what, what was it in the sense of you went to New Mexico and found it? Did you just wander into a gym and go, I've never picked up a weight before, so maybe I'll give that a go? Right. Or was there someone in your life that said, you know, I feel like you should start lifting weights. I see you do all this cardio, but I think you would find more benefit from weights was yeah. it kind of there was a catalyst uh person or video or something or did right. your mind just get curious yeah so actually um one of the guys i ran college track with he ended up in the same area just you know by you know complete coincidence in the same area uh and i ran into him at one point and said like I'm I'm I I really do want to get into the gym but I kind of want someone to keep me accountable not really knowing at the time that you know he 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 and his whole power his whole family had been powerlifting for like ever like it's something they did as a family growing up and mm. he said yeah I can keep you accountable in the gym I can show you some things and you know of course like I didn't want to go into the gym alone without any allies because it is kind of intimidating if you've never really been into a gym before and yeah. Not to say I had never been into the gym. Like, my dad and I used to lift when I was younger. But mm -hmm. that was, you know, back when I was a kid. And here I am, like, a grown woman. And I can't remember what my dad had me do or, or anything like that. So I definitely wanted some, something of an ally and someone to take me under their wing in the gym. And um, like I said, he and his whole family had been powerlifting, you know, for, for many years. It was something he did as a kid and he loved it. And he kind of passed on that love to me just by encouraging me to sign up for a meet and try it out. Awesome. So what, what did he have you do initially when you showed up? Yeah. Was it the basics or was there any kind of test to see where your mobility was at or was it just, yeah. You know, I mean, it was the meat and potatoes. He's like, we're going to get you to squat, right? We're going to get you to do the bench press and the deadlift. And he said, from those, we can kind of build on accessories. And, you know, it was just really, ba you know, those three basic, you know, what people might consider like the trinity of movements, you know. Mm. Um, you know, so we hit, you know, squats on Monday, bench on Wednesday, deadlifts on Friday. And then we would do like accessories to kind of, you know, match whatever we were doing. Um, so it just kind yeah. of started out as a three-day split and then, you know, I was finding that I wanted more time in the gym and he went every day anyways, you know, bless his soul. He was just kind of babysitting <laughs> me in there, but I was finding that I wanted more, more time in there and, and I wanted to learn more and get stronger. And, 
you know, just kind of developed from there. But he was, I guess, a training partner I had for about two years, and we would go to competitions together and stuff like that. So we had a big time with it, for sure. And, mm. yeah, he definitely kind of ignited that passion for me to start lifting and compete and all that good stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. And it sounds like you had the right person to introduce you to it as well, how you said the meat and potatoes of lifting, because I feel that for for both men and women, but I think particularly for women, if we they think of weights or adding muscle, they're going to walk in and like there's definitely even like me when I was younger, say teenager, there was that kind of resistance to entering the weights room where the mm-hmm. men were and where it was banging and where people were lifting like heavy weights that I knew I couldn't even touch. Right. There's that intimidation factor. Absolutely. So if women can even break through that and take it upon themselves to go in there, they're lift they're doing like biceps curls or triceps <laughs> you know, like they're doing isolation things. Right. Glute and kickbacks. I just <laughs> Yeah yeah. And you always just wish that there was that general knowledge there that it's like your squat your deadlift your bench press Mm -hmm. your overhead press even right Um, those compound movements right yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so it's great that you had that um that initial interaction with weights doing the right things um have you kind of because you have quite a large social media following on instagram do you try and make that something of note when you're you're showing what you do or talking about your history to promote the right kind of knowledge in how to approach weightlifting? Because you would obviously have a lot of women and men that would follow you interested in lifting but haven't actually begun their journey or are only starting. Yeah, so I guess every every now and then I try to kind of post like, you know, like a before and after transformation picture within that trying to caption that like, you know, this kind of stuff doesn't happen overnight. You know, I've had this long journey. And then whenever I've done articles for like Universal USA, bodybuilding.com, stuff like that, I really try to hit on the fact that like I did crash diet and it did suck and it's not healthy. Um, and there's way better ways to achieve, you know, if it's like physique composition goals or strength goals, mm. et cetera, stuff like that. So I, you know, for the, for the different types of like modalities and, and, um, uh, outlets that I that I have access to I really try to drive that home that you know there's 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 the right way and there's like the super unhealthy way you know and there's more than one way to skin a cat so you know what might be right for me might be you know need to be slightly modified for the next person and so forth but I definitely try to take that opportunity to you know debunk a lot of what I see on social media these days too um you know I don't see too much of like the fit tees anymore thank god but what's that you know the fit tees like the detox tees and stuff like that where like basically oh, like the you drink you like the yeah. cleanses you know or you just end up sitting sitting on the the pot for like 48 hours um yeah I, I wonder if that because I remember there was a few brands that got absolutely shit on uh no pun intended <laughs> right. uh, <laughs> because of what they were promoting um so i wonder if you know uh the good people won (laughs) once right (laughs) and uh kind of kicked that business in the ass and got it off uh online yeah i hope so because there is and and even even to this day i think there's probably more encouraging and factual or like you know advice that you you would feel good about 
promoting and following um, versus mm. that kind of stuff. I feel like there's more of a movement now for like, not like, you know, just body acceptance, but also like, you know, there's a way that you can sustain this kind of lifestyle. Like you don't have to have a six pack. You don't have to, you know, be ripped and shredded and stuff like this, but you can still achieve your goals, you know, X, Y, and Z and still feel good about that versus like, you know, if you want to try to lose five, five sizes in five weeks, then, you know, drink the stuff that's like basically magnesium citrate, you know, mm. you set up. <laughs> how, how, how would you kind of approach the, um, cause obviously you do have a six pack. I don't know if it comes and goes, but from what <laughs> I've seen, like mine does, but I don't know if what I've right. seen online is how you usually are, but I would say your physique is quite impressive. Um, so, but how do I word it? I mean, like that doesn't have to be every woman or every person's goal to have a a six pack and have Mm -hmm. the type of physique that you have. Right. Um, How how do you go about kind of giving that information to people in that this is how you look, but you don't have to look like this to consider yourself healthy. Sure. Um, But the way that I do train is a healthy way to train. There's kind of a balance in there somewhere. Right. So I think part of what I try to express too is like genetics really does play like a huge factor you know people say like Mm -hmm. abs are made in the kitchen and that is true but if you don't have the genetics to get like a really defined you know six pack you know or obliques or whatever the case may be like it doesn't matter like how many crunches like how much carb cycling you do like it's just if it's not genetically in the cards you're not going to get it like I know like physique competitors who even like don't really have defined abs you know even when they're at their their leanest you know it's just not there um and then in the same breath you know like I obviously have some pretty massive legs and I've always had those so like I've always Mm. been super good at cultivating mass in my legs and some people are like you know well how do I get quads like yours and I'm like well you probably won't ever be able to get quads exactly like mine because my genetics you know kind of dictate x y and z you know, but, yeah. but I would say like, if you're trying to add mass to your legs, you know, t- to squat more, you got to squat more, you know, just try to, you know, do more of those, you know, compound movements for lower body. But I guess I try to really just encourage folks to take a closer look at home. Like what is actually going to make you happy? Like are visible abs going to make you happy? Or is that going to be like fitting to that, like pretty sundress you saw at the department store, you know, for the summer or whatever. So hmm. I think it kind of just, I kind of try to reroute people back to like, well, what, what is it that you're really trying to accomplish? Because, you know, like for me, like this past year, it was, you know, I wanted to look my best for the stage, but in prior years, it's like, well, I want to move as much weight as possible. I mean, visible abs is always a plus, but it's just kind of like, well, what are your goals right now? Like, what do you want now? And what do you want most? You know, some people like that instant gratification of like, you know, they want to see a number on a scale but then they don't really think long term either. So mm. just kind of reroute people back to like, you know, what's going to make you happy? You know, what what are your true goals? You know, because I never want someone to say like it's so it's flattering like I know people come from a good place when they're saying like you are such goals, but at the same time I'm like don't limit yourself to my physique, to my strength. Like go above and beyond that. Like have bigger quads than me or like lift more weight than me. Like I I really I, it, it's, it's sweet, but it's also a little unsettling when people say that I'm goals because I never want someone to think that like my physique or my strength is as good as it will ever get because it's definitely not. And there's proof 
with other females like on social media that just you know goes to show like anything is possible so mm. and it's also specific to you if you like totally model yourself after someone you've already kind of set yourself up for failure like sure you can be inspired sure. and motivated but to replicate someone when you're a different person right like, because i agree with you genetics have such a massive component to uh the level of results that you can well not the level everyone can achieve high results sure. but the type the type of results that you can get right right yeah um i thought it was interesting uh how like just through what you were saying then it sounds like your your goals kind of morphed from those appearance type of goals because it obviously stemmed from uh again quote unquote getting back in shape mm -hmm. um but it went from say an appearance goal to then you were just thinking about the numbers mm -hmm. in terms of you getting into your power lifting did that kind of did you find gradually happened as you got more into power lifting or was it a sudden change where you were kind of i don't know maybe you were at some point into that six months of initial power lifting for that first comp and thought i'm getting like my aesthetics, how I'm looking is sorting itself out. Mm -hmm. So because I'm into powerlifting, so I don't really need to think about that anymore. Right. Or was it kind of a philosophy change in your head that you didn't want to tie yourself to appearance as a goal? Right. Um, so you focused on what you, I mean, you can control your appearance, but again, going back to the genetics, what you can and can't control with that. So you chose to focus just on those numbers Right. the skill of powerlifting right i think for me it was you know just having someone you know take me under their wing and said like this is what we're gonna do you know where the the goal yeah. was to just add more weight to the bar every week that i kind yeah. of put out of my mind like you know you're you fit into the clothes you want to fit in like like let's let that be good enough for now and then if at some point you start feeling like unconfident again or whatever the case may be then we can kind of like you know readdress it and that's something I did have to kind of convince myself of every day um you know just based on you know when I was younger you know I didn't have like all the self-confidence in the world um not that I do now but you know it's something that you kind of acquire the older you get where you kind of maybe care less about what other people think and kind of more you know more of what how you feel about yourself and yeah. um, so it was something I kind of had to convince myself of every day. And of course, you know, to, to be able to lift heavier weights, you know, I had to kind of come to the realization too, like, you know, yeah, you can cut weight for competitions, but, you know, ultimately mass moves mass. So I might, you know, I had to, you know, be okay with the idea of getting a little bit bigger during my training to, to maybe be able to move a little bit more weight or you know whatever the was case that hard it was um when i finally came to the realization i was not gonna fit into the 60 kilo class anymore um <laughs> i was like all right well i guess i'm just gonna you know because you kind of feel when you've competed at a certain weight class for so long you kind of get stuck there like this is where i'm supposed to be like i'm supposed to be in this weight class and there are some people mm. who can stay in whatever weight class for many, many years, whether they use like, you know, diuretics or like super crazy water loading techniques to get there. But I just knew mm. like if I, you know, used any of those methods that I would ultimately suffer on the platform. 
because I had done like massive water cuts before to try to kind of keep fitting into that 60 kilo class that just was not where my body was happy and it did yeah. ultimately affect my performance so again it was just being okay and having to like convince myself mentally like even sometimes I'd say it aloud you know that like okay your goal is to move as much weight as possible you know so be okay with you know moving up to the whatever the 148 is like 67 and a half kilos or whatever it is um yeah and and eventually like I kind of you know was okay with that and you were stronger for it as well yeah absolutely absolutely yeah 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 it was similar for me when uh recently I trained for 16 weeks and completed a marathon oh wow and that's completely different training to what I usually do. I'm usually doing strength training. Mm -hmm. So inherently with that strength training is building mass, uh, particularly if you're trying to actively get stronger. Right. And a big thing for me was, even though I feel quite comfortable within my body and how I look, it still played a part in my mind was that I knew by doing this, I'm definitely going to lose muscle. I'm definitely going to look thinner or leaner which was unideal in my head just from sure. just from values i guess i've developed from what i've watched or what i've consumed right um so even me who I, I think is quite confident within my own skin i have those thoughts as well i think it's just present in the fitness industry is uh, a care like it doesn't necessarily mean it's bad that you think like that it right. could depending on how you let it control you be a good thing like you're just observational or caring but i think that mm -hmm. something that you mentioned earlier with uh getting more confident um yeah I, I totally agree and i don't think that having i don't think being self-confident is getting better at things and becoming more confident because you're getting better i think it's more developing a comfort as to what you are and who you are right. at any point in time right um, and i think people can confuse that they think that um the confidence comes from you know gaining a new skill or getting a certain job or something and that definitely gives confidence mm -hmm. but i think true confidence comes from being comfortable in your own skin at whatever point you're at in your life Definitely. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. There were times where I thought like, you know, I'd really like to go for, you know, this national record or, you know, in the 60 kilo class. And, you know, at, at some point in my training, I just thought like, you know, I'm never going to be as strong as like Mariana, um, you know, from Russia, just like that little short, cute thing that squats like massive, that deadlifts massive that I'm like, you know, at some point, like, I, I just had to realize, like, I'm never, I'm never going to be able to compete with that. And that's okay. Because that's kind of her, like, that's what she does. Like, that's her job. That's her livelihood. You know, mm -hmm. like, this powerlifting thing is something that I do for fun as a hobby. And it shouldn't be consuming so much of my thoughts that, you know, I, I, I get these unrealistic expectations in my head, too. I think that's so important with, like, fitness, too, is to, like, manage your own expectations. Like, it's okay to want more for yourself, but also don't set yourself up for failure where you think like, you know, by the end of the year, I want to squat 500 pounds when it's just probably not mm. in the cards, you know, not, mm. not to dissuade you from like wanting to do that, but also to just kind of, kind of rein in your, your own, you know, what's, what's actually capable, what you're capable of doing. 
Mm. Um, Would you like to go pro with the powerlifting? Honestly, I don't think, you know, it would pay the bills. <laughs> I don't think I could focus the amount of time that it takes to, to get to that level. Um, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm sponsored by Universal, which is, is an awesome sponsorship. Like, they take such good care of me. But, you know, That's a, a supplement company, right? Not right. the uh, movie distributor. Right. So, yeah, Universal USA <laughs> with their little red man logo. I mean, it's a pretty... Yeah, yeah. Pretty, uh, yeah, I know that one. <laughs> pretty awesome little sponsorship. And um, But I, uh, you know, I just... Being a, being a mom, being, you know, a nurse, I just don't think that I, I have, you know, the time to dedicate into what it truly takes to be considered like a professional in powerlifting. And like, I'm totally okay with that because it's never really something, you know, I wanted to pursue at a professional level. I just really enjoy doing it. And now what's more meaningful to me is getting like my own kids involved with it and um, also bringing it to my area where it's not quite as, as prominent, you know, so I've been mm -hmm. trying to like host powerlifting meets um and just get it get it more more growing in in the area because i think the thrill of the platform is a rush that everyone should try to experience once if they can and yeah that's know, awesome yeah so i mean uh, the biggest the biggest barrier here is just that there's no accessibility to meets you know when i was first mm. starting out i would have to drive at minimum like five hours to get to wherever the meet was um so I'd have to road trip, you know, but bringing it closer to home, you know, provides more of an opportunity for my own community to, to get a barbell in their hands and, and show what they can do on the platform, which is, is more meaningful. I think to me, the older I get and the more I get in, you know, into the sport is to provide yeah. that opportunity for others. So, yeah, I, th I think that every now and then with myself, with the Olympic lifting and gymnastic strength training, I look at some of the stuff that's available now and i think oh, i wish that was around when i was younger right and then it's not like i'm not doing it myself because that's what i try to do sure. is um create content that people can access to help them like give them information they didn't have but yeah it's kind of that thought i think where i think oh i wish i had that when i was young but then i think well these people are just actively putting what i'm thinking right now into action and creating that thing so right. i think anyone that is kind of into something like powerlifting, olympic lifting gymnastic strength any kind of niche activity that they mm -hmm. think is so beneficial not owes it but can should kind of bear a bit of responsibility to try and contribute some of that back to a community that might be lacking absolutely in those areas because yeah when i was young there was no lifting platforms mm -hmm. where i locally lived there was no really access for adults to a gymnastics center and that's changed and that's thanks to people thinking exactly how we're kind of thinking right now for sure. and um putting it into action um I, I liked what you said as well about the the platform definitely gives this kind of feeling that you can't replicate just going to the gym and can right almost leave someone with a feeling that motivates them to get back in the gym and train for their next meet. I remember it overwhelmed me. Mm -hmm. My first uh, Olympic lifting competition, I've, I'd snatched so many times. <laughs> and then my first snatch on the platform, my first time on the platform, first competition was an attempt of a snatch that I'd never seen, felt or done before. It was this bent arm, ultimate hip thrust forward <laughs> type of movement that was just so bad uh, <laughs> and it, i think it was just like uh 
not necessarily the pressure, but just, um, I don't know. Yeah. Just how you described it, the overwhelmingness of it, but not to say that's a negative thing. It was just (laughs) a a lot in one moment. And then the next two lifts were fine. And then the clean and jerk was good. Um, and it felt awesome to compete. Um, but I wanted to speak to you before, because I wanted to ask about the bodybuilding, but before we do that, um, you were just you were just being real talking about how you felt with powerlifting and stuff but you actually have like quite significant accomplishments from what i've seen in powerlifting <laughs> do you mind just unpacking your uh say pbs across the deadlift squat and bench and what some of your uh most significant competition achievements are All in right. powerlifting yeah definitely um so i, I you know, I'm going to have to say it in freedom units because I don't off the top of my head can't, you know, I, I couldn't tell you in kilos what it, what it would be. Um, I'm going to convert while you, <laughs> okay. while you say it. So, um, my best competition to date was done April of 2018, um, where, yep. where I totaled over, over a thousand pounds. I think it was like 1,030 some pounds. Okay. That would be... 468 kilos okay so give give, Very good. give or take and then um so my best squat that competition was i want to say like 396 180 kilos my pb very good <laughs> okay. <laughs> um my bench that competition was um what was it one maybe 191 192 Sounds about right. Let's see, 191. I keep pressing the wrong button. 191 <laughs> divided by 2.2. 86.8 kilos. Okay. That's so, pretty significant. So, so what, what's your uh, what's your body weight you were competing at again? I was competing at uh, the 148. So I think I weighed in at like 144 for that competition. Okay. And that is, I mean, that's 67 kilos. So that's, yeah. Yeah, that's really good, and I think majority of the audience are going to be American anyway. But you, you never know. Is, Just try to accommodate <laughs> the, the the kilo crowd. Yeah. Um, and then my best deadlift, and this one I know in kilos for whatever reason, probably because it's a nice even number, was two hundred kilos yeah. or four hundred and forty pounds was my wow. best deadlift in that competition. What did that feel like? It was that was my second attempt, and it felt amazing. It was, I think I opened with like four hundred and two pounds. And then I just jumped right away because I kind of already had this number in my head. Like I wanted to just do, I think in the gym I'd hit like 450 before train or before the competition. And I wanted to hit somewhere in that uh, neighborhood. Okay. So my second attempt was yeah. like 440. And then I think my third attempt, which I did not get, but I did get a bloody nose with was like 450, 453 or 456, something like that. Oh, I have seen that in strongman and powerlifting, getting the bloody nose. But is there anything that specifically causes that? Like, is it the fact that you're doing the Valsalva maneuver, holding your breath <laughs> right. just for that amount of time, that pressure? Yeah. Or so, can it just be random? Right. So that one, um, I just chalk up to, you know, blood pressure PRs. You know, you just are, yeah, are, are putting yeah. so much pressure on your body. And like, you'll see people like you know like bleed out of their chest like if they have any like maybe like pimples or something like that on their chest they get like bleed out of their chest too or like burst a vessel in their eye which is i've done that once Uh. and it's pretty cool too i don't get many bloody noses anymore maybe i'm not pushing myself hard enough but (laughs) (laughs) but 
But um, yeah. now I feel like I haven't pushed myself at all because I've never had a bloody nose. <laughs> It's weird. Like it sounds terrible, but there's something epic to it as well. <laughs> it is. It's like, what is that? And then I think part of it might have to do with like the the nose torque or ammonia inhalants that you know folks can do before lifts as well. Um, have you done that? I, I have in the past, and I think that because it kind of vasodilates, you know, kind of puts you more at risk for for getting a blood bloody nose. It kind of you know wakes you up, vasodilates stuff uh, okay. like that. So yeah, I think, yeah. I think that's part of it too, um, especially when you see it in competitions. Are you a fan of it? Mm, I've done it a couple of times, but I'm really not because like I'll get some kind of blurry vision where I, I, I see Jesus's eyes and I just, it's, it's a little unsettling before I'm specifically Jesus. Yeah. yeah, Like Jesus's eyes only. Um, it's, it's unsettling when you're going to be trying to squat with weight or whatever the case may be, but Wow, yeah. I remember I've only sniffed it once and it was just because someone brought it into gym and it felt like a punch in the face. Yeah. It's, you think like it's just going to be like a weird smell mm. and then it like literally hits you. Yeah. And it's something like you can get tolerant to it, can't you? I think you As can, in, yeah. Like coffee, like everyone likes coffee because of the caffeine kick, mm-hmm. but it gets to a point where you just are drinking it out of habit right it doesn't necessarily give you that kick can ammonia do that where it did so that's why you keep doing it yeah. but then you find yourself in a position where it doesn't give you that right much or like you'll hear people or, like or I, can it I, I don't know i think people do get a little bit um accustomed to it or reliant on it where like mm-hmm. you know they'll, they'll have to smell it not once not twice but maybe three times or you'll hear them say something like oh this is a brand new bottle so you only need like one hit like it you know kind of loses its potency the more times it's utilized uh, right yeah, um, yeah, yeah. you know if it's just in like one of those like uh bottles you know sometimes they just have like the actual sticks they can snap and i think those are a little bit more fresh where people just yep. kind of like you know, shove it further up their, their schnoz or something. I don't know, but yeah, you, yeah. See, you, you see people like, you know, having different, different, uh, things to say about it, like in terms of the efficacy and, you know, oh, this is an old bottle or this is a new bottle and stuff like that, or, or taking more than one whiff at a time. But ultimately mm. I, I, I gave it a couple, couple tries, but that unsettling seeing Jesus's eyes was just enough for me to say, you know, <laughs> it's, I'll just go up and lift it. Either she's going or she's not, you know, so. (laughs) (laughs) And how do you feel about future competitions? Are you still looking to improve upon those lifts? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, um, I was supposed to compete in New York um, this month, actually, at the end of the month. Um, Ah, Okay. You know, with with COVID and everything, it's it's been um, sidelined until December. and, And even at that time, I don't know that I would be comfortable enough traveling to that area of the states to compete just with it being such a hot spot for covid yeah for sure um but i was able to my coach did allow me to do a max out day before my gym closed down and i was able to hit like all new gym prs um that day oh nice so what uh, were they um my squat was 435 um bench was 215 and deadlift was 460 so whoa yeah i was let's do a quick conversion on that (laughs) so almost almost 100 kilos on the bench press that's uh significant for sure squat 209 kilos Mm -hmm. that's crazy and then what was the bet the deadlift uh 460 
Oh, the deadlift. Sorry, what, what was the squat? Uh, 435. 435. 435? That's nearly, that's so close to 200 as well. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Nice. So, yeah, it was pretty, I was, I guess. So you're looking in good shape then? Yeah, but, and again, at the same breath, that was like kind of disappointing because I'm like, well, now I'm going to have to kind of, rethink when I can compete again when is it going to be safe to travel like where do I want to you know oh, try yeah. to compete and then I'll have to kind of get back to, into that training mode which I haven't been pushing myself very hard very heavy so you know mm. surely the strength doesn't go very far you know but it still takes a while to build up to it as as quick as you know it mm. or as long as it takes to build up to that sometimes that's how quick it leaves so yeah um, stupid peaking cycles i know apparently those are important <laughs> yeah um uh, what was the other thing uh is is there any injuries that you've got that you can take advantage of trying to um rehabilitate in the time down you know honest, can you look at it like that honestly um i think the biggest thing i've been trying to do during this downtime is just um increase my conditioning more um i used to really enjoy going for like you know runs i would you know sign up for 5k's whenever i had the opportunity you know not like super long nice. but just enough to you know get your get your ticker ticking and you know something yeah. longer than a sprint but you know something you have to pace yourself for so during this time i've been trying to like you know just increase my conditioning and you know just not feel like an asthmatic buffalo every time i try to like <laughs> you know go for a run and stuff like that so that's been the biggest thing like fortunately i've been pretty healthy um, my powerlifting coach did a lot of like body mechanic work with me when we first started working together. So we tried to like rectify quite a few bad habits that I'd acquired over the years and, you know, get, get the body mechanic standpoint looking, you know, more ideal and more advantageous for lifting. So, okay. Yeah. And then what was this, um, bodybuildings? Is this a stint? Is this <laughs> something that you're interested in for good? Right. Where did that come from? Um, honestly, I, I, I thought of it on a whim because I always hear people say like, oh, maybe I'll try body lifting or bodybuilding. Maybe I'll try a physique show. Maybe I'll try a figure show, this, that, and the other thing. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll try it, you know? Mm. And it kind you definitely of... had the base for it. <laughs> yeah. What I came <laughs> to find was that like that kind of prep tries you for sure. Um, so it was just something that I kind of wanted to see mentally if I you know, had the, the mental fortitude and capacity to, to weather that kind of a storm. And, um, I don't know, I guess just to see if I could do it. And then I, I almost with the same, with the same excitement of being on the platform, when I got on to the stage, clinking around in my heels and sparkling bikini, I had a similar kind of like, this is fun, you know, like all of the hard work kind of comes to comes to fruition when you're on the stage and can kind of show off you know the package you worked so hard for provided it's it's like such a fleeting moment because you work for months on end and you get like mm. maybe two or three minutes of stage time so that part yeah. is kind of disappointing but um you know I have like the memories of the selfie parade and all the documentation of like my progress as weeks went on so it was kind of all the photos and videos yeah, yeah yeah it was kind of fun to see see that progression and it's not something that i've totally ruled out um i had planned on you know prepping for something after this you know bot or a powerlifting meet i was planning on doing this month um but i've kind of 
had to rework my goals. So um, it's not something that I've ruled out. I'd like to do another show and see if I could bring an even, you know, tighter package to the stage and, um, you know, just see what else I'm capable of doing. But at the time, at the, you know, this current time, there's, there's not a lot of interest right now. Another thing about the bodybuilding I wanted to ask was the difference in the, in powerlifting, when you compete, you're peaking in terms of strength. So you're at your kind of optical, optimal level of performance, mm -hmm. but in bodybuilding, even though physically you look amazing, you're probably at your weakest given the dehydration and the limited amount of calories to consume in order to look that way. So how did that contrast feel in competition being both are competitions, but one you would feel extremely strong and one I imagine you wouldn't feel performance wise that great. Right. So I think um, with that part of the process of getting stage ready is doing like glycogen depleting workouts where like you're maybe just doing like rounds of minutes of like, you know, squat jumps, um, box jumps, uh, walking lunges, things that, you know, you should any other any other day of the week if you're if you're you know fueled right you know should be no big deal but I was finding like these body weight movements were bringing me to my knees like absolutely bringing me to my knees um so it was another one of those mental things I had to like you know my coach was really good like in in saying you are not going to be as strong as you were you yeah. are gonna feel like shit and he was 100 percent right you know and just having that you know he wasn't trying to sugarcoat anything which it was important but you know sometimes we kind of feel like we're the exception to the rule like well maybe it affects other people that way but it's not gonna affect me that way and um you know i learned that could not be any further from the truth like we're all kind of <laughs> we're all kind of um susceptible to the uh especially those glycogen depleting workouts, um, just feeling like absolute hot garbage. Um, yeah. so it is a little bit unsettling when you kind of, you know, pride yourself on, you know, being able to lift a certain amount of weight, but then I had to like rein myself in, you know, these aren't your goals at the moment. Your goals are to look as shredded as you can on stage. So we have mm -hmm. to tailor our expectations accordingly. And that part was kind of hard just, you know, that I'd been, so focused for so long on being as strong as I could, you know, to just yeah. to rein it in and, and say, this isn't, this isn't your goal. Nobody's making you do this right now. That was another thing, especially with the diet, reminding myself every day, nobody is making you do this. Yeah. It's not very fun, but nobody's making you do it. So just shut up and yeah. do it. <laughs> <laughs> so how did that, um, is it, so is it something that you want to do? again you said you hadn't completely ruled it out right you didn't necessarily look at being weaker as a detriment but more so just something that came along with what was necessary to get on stage right and i think part of that is too because with my first show as awesome as i thought i looked i i didn't even place in the top five and it was a local show so that was like a little bit defeating um one of the things i keep hearing in in bodybuilding competitions is there can be somewhat politics which is you know why i mean to for the most part with powerlifting you either get the lift or you don't of course there's like those shades of gray you know did they hitch did they hit depth etc but for the most part it's like did you lift the weight or did you not 
when, yeah. when you're on stage with the bodybuilding shows, it's completely subjective to the judge's opinion. So where one of um, my bodybuilding friends kind of talked to me, he's like, you know, honestly, you looked great on stage, but there was a lot of vanilla and you were the only chocolate one. So you weren't the mm. flavor of the day, you know? So he's mm. like, had you been competing against like another kind of uh, more jacked is what he said, more jacked figure competitors, you probably would have placed. But it just mm. at those local shows where you can kind of, you know, the, the body types are so different compared to like, you know, figure you kind of look for that T silhouette. Um, mm-hmm. So he said, you know, at, at that that time, you were just not the flavor of the day. And like I said, I thought I looked great and I was still really happy with that. But I feel like now I have, you know, something to prove like I can place at a show, you know, so I think that kind of motivates me to want to like get back out there and try it again, maybe just a glutton for punishment. But even still i bet i bet you were like the tom platts of any competition you enter <laughs> the equivalent of <laughs> yeah it's just i like the, the politic part of it i i, I don't know i don't want to i don't want that to like consume me either though because sometimes like again if it's if you're not what they're looking for you're not what they're looking for and it can be something yeah. as asinine as like maybe they didn't think that bikini color was the right choice for you so, I mean, we're talking right. about, like, literally splitting hairs on some of the critique that you could get. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I think, like, you know, one time was all right. A second time, why not? And then, you know, if I don't maybe get the results I think I should or feel good about my placing or whatever the case may be, it might be time to just close that little chapter of my life. <laughs> hmm. What do you think of the values of bodybuilding as in di- how do you, do you think it teaches good values or you can get good values from it? Because I feel if people enjoy bodybuilding, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Like go and do it. Right. Um, but for someone like me, it doesn't offer much in terms of the actual sport, if you can even call it a sport, given that you're not at an optimal performance at level of competition. Right. But um, what I take away from it is it, it is great for working on weak points um, mm-hmm. in terms of needing to isolate, rehab, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you do enjoy it, that is great. But in terms of something that judges you on such um, subjective terms and it can be different each place you go, is it something you would uh, be recommending to people to do or promoting to do? Again, obviously, if people enjoy it, Mm -hmm. they can do it. And if people are good, but how do you feel about when it comes down to it, the values are subjective and you can be working on something and compete only to be told you're not good enough when you're definitely good enough. You're just not, as you said, the flavor of the month. Right. I think that's that's a huge thing to consider if if you're wanting to dip your toe into that world is that um, you have to be okay with like, a complete stranger's subjective opinion on your physique and it may not be what you think you earned um so mm. you have to kind of have that mental mental toughness to say like okay they you know thought my glutes were were, were not tied into my hamstrings well enough or my lat spread looked like garbage or whatever the case may be i think the value for it with me was coming came from like the discipline aspect of it like you know your diet has to be so on point like 
you know, you're training the cardio. So I think the value that came from, from it for me was just proving to myself that I could do it. And then just having Mm. everything so dialed in, you know, the specificity to it is like, it's, it's more so than powerlifting. Like, you know, you can get away with like subpar days and powerlifting. You can get away with, or in training, I should say, like you can, you can to an extent get away with a garbage diet, you know, if that's the way you are, you know, operate on more days than not. But like, you know, the discipline that takes, you know, both training and nutrition, I mean, you have to have both of those dialed in so much. So I think, Hmm. you know, the, the discipline aspect of it was like the more rewarding thing for me and just proving that I could do it. But again, it's like, if you have, you know, um, if you have had confidence issues, like, you know, I'm talking like body image issues in the past, bodybuilding is not going to be a sport for you to try or or something for you to try. Like if you've ever struggled with like eating disorders or, you know, you know, any kind of anorexia, bulimia, et cetera, I would not recommend it whatsoever because I think that it does have the potential to trigger those and bring them more back to light and, and rearing worse than maybe you even had it before. Because I feel like at some point you're going to realize that you maybe like would never be, you know, or you might feel like you would never be good enough on the stage if you didn't go through these like drastic measures, mm. you know, or want to be. Mm. I think another thing too, that's, that's worth, worth noting in bodybuilding is that, you know, you're lean for the show, but some people have a really hard time getting back to what like a livable body fat percentage would be like, you can't operate on a, you know, single digit body fat percentage, you know, yeah, or, or, yeah. or you probably, unless that's like your normal, like some people are just really thin anyways, but like, you know, stage, stage body fat percentage versus like, what's your normal, happy living body fat percentage are so different. And some people, when they physically see themselves, you know, change from like their leanest to like where they would still be considered normal. It's like such a drastic change visually that they, they can't cope with that very well. And I think you do see a lot, especially in, and that was something I was warned early on is that, you know, you can, you know, a lot of people do develop, you know, some kind of, you know, body dysmorphia from, from, from this sport, from these competitions. So it was just making sure like mentally you were prepared for like, you know, seeing yourself super lean to maybe not so lean and like being able Mm. to cope with the emotions that came with it. Um, So I I wouldn't recommend it for everyone. Absolutely not. But I would say, like I said, the discipline was, was very worthwhile for me to weather, weather that storm. A good mental challenge. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Um, with so i mean given you've got that experience on two ends of the weightlifting spectrum from powerlifting to bodybuilding mm-hmm. i wanted to take advantage of having um a woman on the podcast and I've, i think i've only done a video with one other woman uh zoe smith the olympic lifter oh, okay. um yeah so i'm super interested to take this opportunity to kind of get the perspective of a woman mm-hmm. um for say what do you think are the biggest misconceptions or barriers or message that kind of isn't out there and should be out there for women in the weightlifting realm is there anything that you see is often misrepresented is there anything that you often see is a common barrier as to why women aren't lifting weights um yeah 
Yeah, I think, and this probably, you know, doesn't really bar mentioning, but, um, you know, bulk, like, lifting makes you bulky, makes you look bulky, makes you look manly. I mean, how many times do we hear that? We see the memes and, and so forth, but I think part of that is very mm. true. Um, you know, a lot of women kind of want to, quote-unquote, tone, but they think the the way to get there is just to be on the treadmill, on the stair climber, and I would say, with all honesty, like, I've been there, too, because I did just push myself into the ground doing the treadmill doing the stair climber just doing the just ample amounts of cardio and hardly eating anything but I don't I didn't ever feel like I looked healthy I never had any Mm -hmm. muscle tone at that time you know what women fail to realize sometimes is that you know squatting even your body weight you know is not always going to be enough to get you know leg definition you know you have to you have to throw a little bit of weight on and it doesn't have to be crazy amounts, but you know, that resistance training is, is so important and in muscle development and getting that actual toned look. Um, so I think that, that misconception, I think gradually over time is being debunked, which I love to see. Yeah. Um, but I think another thing that I see a lot in powerlifting, especially is like female, like incontinence episodes, especially like, on the platform, um, mm. you know, where they might like pee a little bit with a deadlift or whatever the case may be. And that's something that, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, it's not something to be like embarrassed of, but I think that maybe dissuades some lifters from like, you know, wanting to give it their all on the platform, especially with like deadlifts. Cause that seems to be like the time that it happens the most. Mm. Um, you know, one thing I would say to any female listeners is that, it's it, it does happen, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's normal and it might just kind of be worth looking into, um, you know, pelvic floor muscle exercises, which I think for whatever reason carries taboo, you know, because people don't want to think that like, I mean, there's still muscles within your body and we should be working on strengthening those as well. Mm. Um, so, you know, just opening people, females eyes, especially to the importance of like pelvic floor strengthening and, and so forth. You know, I, after kids, especially it's, it's easy to lose that muscle tone in there if you're not like consciously working on building it up and making it stronger. And that's when you do get those episodes of like, you know, maybe like pee a little bit when you deadlift or squat, or I know some, some people who can't even jump rope without leaking a little bit. And um, yeah, right. Yeah. Is, is this, is this coming specifically from um, women that have been pregnant and had their child, or is this something that women are more prone to in general? Th- you found? Yeah, I think just in general, just based on our anatomy, um, you know, it just women are more at risk for it for sure. I don't think I've ever heard of a case where a male a male has had like a urinary incontinence on on the platform just from lifting so heavy. But I think you know just the way like yeah. our anatomy- if it's going to happen to some male, it's going to happen to me. And I, <laughs> I haven't had it yet. <laughs> I just put yeah, you just put that juju out there. You just spoke it into existence. <laughs> it's going to happen now. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think I've, I've seen it happen with, you know, females who haven't had children. So I think it's just based on our anatomy, of course, the older we get, um, and then, you know, being, you know, childbearing Mm. also plays, plays a part into it, but it can happen like indiscriminately, you know, to women. Mm. So just, just something to kind of keep in mind and something I see a lot of, you also see, you know, some females kind of like wear, wear that as a badge of honor. Like it's going to be my goal to like pee over this platform, which I mean, <laughs> I, what, I don't judge like again, whatever. I think, 
you know, it kind of slows down it's a the mindset. It, it slows down the meat too. Really, it's a little bit selfish because it's like <laughs> if that's your goal, then someone's gonna have to clean it up before the next person can lift. If it just happens on, you know, because you're lifting very hard, like that's one thing. But some people like make it like some kind of badge of honor like they have like a dog having to like mark their territory or something I'm like that shouldn't be your goal your goal should just be lifting weight you know <laughs> and if that happens as a byproduct like whatever it happens but yeah i don't understand yeah necess- if it's a byproduct all good but if it's like <laughs> god damn it audrey again <laughs> right exactly so it becomes like the ammonia <laughs> right it's just there you don't even have to do the capsules <laughs> but um yeah i mean that's that's another thing i see a lot of like you know women maybe just scared to take that step because they're afraid of you know what might happen in that regard and it's like yo it happens but that might be another like you know indication for you that maybe that's another muscle group you're neglecting or should be working on so um you know those two things but i think like the biggest thing of course is that lifting will make you bulky is like a, is a is a fable as old as time or just you know Hmm. something that we kind of kind of see time and time again memes about and stuff like that it's just really there's no real substance to that you know lifting won't make you bulky any more than like i don't know i don't have a good enough metaphor it just left me but anyways it won't make i mean it it does you really have to have to i mean and i I feel too like there's never been a time where I've looked at myself and I'm like, you know what, I feel bulky, you know, and I and I lift mm. some pretty pretty heavy weight. Same goes with like some of you know like my my female counterparts, you know, that I see on the platform. Like I don't think I've seen a top level powerlifting female that I guess I would consider bulky looking. Of course, you know that's always open to interpretation and is subjective. But you know, I guess I have to say with complete honesty, like the people like the females I've seen that I would consider bulky are like, you know, women, actual bodybuilders, you know, that compete in the Mm. bodybuilding division where like, you know, they're running so many different kinds of steroids that that makes them appear that way. You know, that's, that's when I feel like, you know, and of course, like if that's the look you're wanting to achieve, like more power to you. But I guess that would be a time where I'd pause and say like, Oh, that person does like, you know, they look bulky. They look jacked, you know, they look, just freaking jacked and bulky but again that takes so many years of training and you know oftentimes so many drugs and um you know i think if women are just starting out and wanting to get toned they certainly don't have to worry about that so no well i mean those women as well have completely like massively elevated their testosterone um and then i think in i think in general it is just fear of the unknown sure to be honest it's what you associate with lifting weights as bodybuilders and mm-hmm. big bulky guys uh, but i think anyone that actually just has an open mind and takes the time to learn the compound movements i think they figure it out pretty quickly that yeah. it doesn't make you you don't wake up the next day with like <laughs> those steroid rounded androgen shoulders <laughs> right <laughs> you know what i mean right yeah. exactly yeah chiseled jawline and everything yeah <laughs> yeah um another thing i wanted to ask you about was with powerlifting. i mean with the compound movements of squat deadlift uh bench press these are things that once you learn the movement and then get good at these things translate over to a lot of other movements, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. So you'll be, then be, I would say, more powerful. You'll then be better at, say, playing rugby. Mm-hmm. You'll then be better at 
you know, so many other activities because you've got that foundation right. in those basic compound movements. Mm-hmm. And you, I can't remember how long it's been now, were involved in the Rocks competitive <laughs> show, the Titan Games. Right. And I've, I was messaging you about it when you were, I think, saying it was going to air. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a VPN, which I should probably hook, get hooked up with, but I still haven't been able to watch it and see like what it's all about and see you on it. But from the sure. stuff I have seen, the show kind of has a foundation in strongman, in functional type of training, um, that kind of thing. So it's something that powerlifting would translate over to quite nicely. Right. So being on this show that the rocks put together there's a crowd there's it's all exaggerated in terms of the type of activities that you're doing Um, what kind of experience did you have doing that show and how did you feel your background in training in the powerlifting translated to a competition like that right i think the biggest thing was the comfortability like just being comfortable performing in front of a crowd you know you kind of yeah. get that nervousness and I still do to this day regardless of the size of the platform I'm at my first lift is always the shakiest as I'm always the most nervous like I, I could be doing like a hometown meet and I still have that kind of anxiousness which I think is a good mm. thing I think the minute you stop feeling that anything you're doing is probably the minute you like walk away from it because you're you know probably not as passionate about it as you used to be yeah. But I think I think for that it was just um you know being on that platform so many times feeling that same anxious rush but still knowing that like you have something in front of you you have to do like you're here you're in it now you know and it's like you know that that adrenaline kicks in that I felt so many times on the platform that I was able to just focus on what I was doing so I think the performance yeah. aspect of it helped more than anything. We didn't really have any way to prepare necessarily for the tasks that we had to do. Um, yeah. Biggest reason is we didn't really know what we were doing until the night of recording. So we had no way to yeah. prepare. Of course, like I took the opportunity before filming to try to, you know, increase my conditioning as much as possible. I just kind of figured, you know, something I would be doing would require me to be doing it for not like a long period of time, but like certainly longer than it would take to descend on a squat and stand back up. I thought, you know, that would make for good television if it was something like 30 seconds or less. Um, so I think (laughs) I tried to like, um, you know, increase my conditioning with that as well. And, um, but the biggest thing I think was just being put in that position before in the past where, you know, you, you allow your adrenaline to kind of take over, take the reins and then you just you know put your head down and work whatever the task is Hmm. was there any uh was was there any challenge that you felt you steamrolled through because of your powerlifting compared to your opponent no not really i mean and i only had one so the the competition i did was basically like there were chains on either side of me that i was pulling that were connected to a structure that was being raised up once this Mm -hmm. structure reached a certain height there was this like gate in front of you that would collapse down you could run past and then the next challenge was to climb to the top of the structure and to pull this little victory bell I think it was like a 10 foot chain structure I had to climb up well after you pull so you're basically doing like a 
like a standing row almost to just pull chains to lift it your yep. your forearms are just and your arms in general are absolutely gassed so then oh. you have to use your arms to climb to like climb your your body up you know so um yeah i think it was even playing field for me and my competitor for that particular challenge she was a strongman competitor so we kind of both had the same similar oh, okay. strength background yeah. so it was a level, level playing field for the most part but i can um I think I have a clip of it. I could probably send you um, so you could kind of see exactly what I'm talking about. It kind of yeah. was a hard thing to explain what the hell I actually did um, because these challenges were so, you know, just pulled out of left field completely just wild and crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, they seem so random. I, I tried to watch one yeah. prior to the podcast just to get an idea of what you had to do and it was these two guys taking a sledgehammer to a concrete ball and right. they had to like d destroy it as much as possible so that it was as light as possible right. and then they had to pull a chain that raised it and then do it again so yeah as it had very strong manish vibes but right. because there seemed to be an intensity that made it play a lot more on cardio than maybe a strongman competition would as well exactly um yeah yeah so it was did you do any other challenges like i'm not even sure how the competition worked right so that was like my my initial competition so if i would have made it past that round i would have gone on to what they call mount olympus um mm. which is you know you go head to head with somebody else who won their initial challenge and then, okay. you know, basically after you win Mount Olympus, you're a Titan. And at the end of the season, all of the Titans kind of went head to head. I missed, uh, I missed okay. my, my competition by like literally a hair. So like if you watch it and I, Damn it. I know, I know. Cause the next, so we filmed in September of last year. Yeah. And it didn't air until like the following, my episode didn't air until the following February. So I had time to like. Okay. get over it get past it you know kind of like heal the wound just for it to be like reopened yeah. to like watch it again and people will be like you were so close and i'm like i know <laughs> like try even my daughter was like mom you really could have won that and i'm like well thanks baby i'm like <laughs> <laughs> oh man but to be so close i know do you, do you think you'll get an opportunity to go back on like will they do another season and bring back competitors that did pretty well right so actually they announced just this week that they are rolling out their new season um this month on the 25th i think in the states so oh, nice. so they are they've already like filmed and recorded you know season two and are and are rolling with it this month um uh, okay yeah i don't you know if i had that opportunity again something i mean i definitely probably probably take it i think the hmm. hardest thing for me to swallow is that you know, it, it was a competition, yes, but it was also meant for entertainment. So, um, you know, just, just bearing in mind, like, you know, not my competition, for instance, but like some of the other head-to-head matchups seemed a little bit favored for one side than the other. Um, okay, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say rigged. I don't like that word, but um, just, just bearing in mind, like, you know, if it's going to be on television, like the goal is going to be entertainment. So the best athlete might not necessarily win, you know, it might be just the most likable person yeah. on the I show. Think, I think that's just part and parcel with TV. There's going to be some skewing towards the drama, the entertainment. Right, right. And that kind of thing. Yeah. 
And you got to meet The Rock as well, didn't you? Is I, he as big in real life as he seems yeah. on the screen? Oh, for sure. And and is like just magically wonderful as anyone could imagine. Um, <laughs> he just like exudes charisma from literally every pore of his body. I don't think there's anyone, man, woman, or child who could say anything negative about him. Um, yeah, I, I remember you saying that when I asked... Uh, in chat what it was like and it's impressive as well because if you watch older footage of him he wasn't always like that right i feel like it's something that he probably has always been right i've not met him so he seems like a nice person right um but he didn't always have that kind of charismatic persona Mm -hmm. which i find it even more impressive that he's clearly put in effort to 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 come off that way or to express himself better. It's something I kind of right. look up to and admire and would want to try and like follow in his footsteps if I can improve right. um, upon my charisma and stuff as well, you know? Yeah, just every day try to be a little bit more mature and pleasant, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Get that, yeah, get that smile going. Yeah. See, all, all my wrinkles occur in, around my eyes, not my... <laughs> I don't have like delicious smile wrinkles like he does. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, you can't you can't change what you can't change. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, back to genetics. Yeah, again. But um, you know, it was pretty it was pretty awesome. I would say that it was disappointing to to lose my competition, no doubt about that. Of course, like you kind of mm. come with with the expectation or the goal to win, you know, like that's you know of course, yeah. But um, you know, Did, getting getting to hug him, getting embraced by his big Samoan <laughs> arms, and he actually sang to me too. I mean, I don't really know that I lost when it was all said and done. I think like, you know, people ask me like, what was the biggest, you know, not regret, but thing that you wished would have changed the most of of the, sh- you know, from from your time on the show. And I had to think about it. Like, of course, I wanted to win, but. I think my biggest regret is that I didn't hold on to him longer and tighter until security <laughs> like dragged me away. So, um, you know, there's always next time, but, uh, yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> my mom's obsessed with the rock. So she would be so jealous of you being able to yeah. Yeah, hold him for even a second. Oh, it was a great embrace. I won't lie. I won't lie. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um, and then given we're speaking about celebrities, I wanted to get your opinion. I don't even think it's something that you people would have an opinion on if they know what they're looking at. But sure. your opinion on Thor's deadlift, uh, do you count it? Do you think there's controversy because it wasn't in a competitive setting? I would say, you know, I it's impressive no matter how you look at it. I mean, like, that is some serious weight, like no matter how mm. you look at it. I can't even imagine. I mean, that's, I mean, that's crazy, right? And um, I would say my one... My one kind of area where I'm like, you know, I don't know if it should count or not, because I think about conditions on meet day. You don't get to pick the time you lift. You don't get to pick, I mean, the day, you know, it's just like, this is what you sign up for, you know, and and things don't always go to plan meet day either. Like, you know, maybe the projector, projector is not working or you know, maybe they are having some computer glitches. So like, you know, there's a delay in that aspect. There's, you know, human errors that can, can, can make it so that you don't lift when you think you ought to, or conditions Mm -hmm. where you think, you know, conditions are not ideal. I feel Mm -hmm. like in his case, he probably being who he is, got to set the stage, right? Like I want, you know, 
to lift at this time. I want the platform to be like this. I want the Ivanko kilo plates or, you know, whatever. I feel like, you know, he probably, for the most part, got to decide a lot of, of his own environment in stipulations on the lift. Mm -hmm. um, so I think in that regard, like if, it, if he had done like a deadlift only competition with, with the masses, you know, I have no doubt he still would have been able to to lift it. But I think also, too, didn't he lift with straps? So he was going for, like, a strongman record or something? Um, did he have straps on? I think he... I'm pretty sure he would have. Like, when Eddie Hall did it, he yeah. had the figure eight straps. So... Um, I, so I would imagine that Thor would have had the straps on as well. Right. So, I mean, in a powerlifting competition, of course, those are not allowed. So, I mean, hmm. again, any way you look at it, it's impressive. I don't think I have enough of a voice or authority to say like whether I think it should count or not. I just know that on a competition day, you don't always get to set the conditions, then they're not always ideal. And I feel like mm -hmm. with him, they probably were more or less to his own specifications. So a little bit cushy, but again, I have no doubt even on a bad day with how fast that went up, he still probably would have got it, you know? Yeah. So have you, have you seen a side angle of it? I haven't. I've only seen it straight on. Did he hitch? Uh, I haven't. I, I'd like to see a side yeah. angle. I've not seen it I've, myself, but mm -hmm. you, you do see that kind of pause at that. Right. There's like a sticking point. Right. And there's like a little bit of adjustment. So I'd just like to see, like, I counted as well for right. sure, but yeah. it'd just be interesting to see on the side what went down. Right. Yeah. And, and again, yeah. like, I mean, depending on what kind of a, if he was going for like an all time record for like the strongman deadlift, you know, of course you can hitch all you want in a strongman competition. It's like, as long as you can lock the weight out is, is how it yeah. counts. But again, like if it was like, you know, powerlifting alone, the straps would have disqualified him from the get go. Um, yeah. so I don't know kind of, you know, what, what, you know, all time deadlift record he was really going for, like under what, under what sport classification, etc. Um, yeah, that is interesting, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Cause I remember, uh, a couple of years ago, I looked up the world record deadlift thinking it would just be, you know, the world record is this, yeah. but there was a, a world record for raw. There was a world record with. I think it was a deadlift suit yep. or something mm -hmm. like or equipped yep then there was the world record for i think it was the most deadlift but it was like massive tires were served as the weights right. so obviously the distance from the ground doesn't count and there were all these other yeah like it wasn't just straightforward this is the deadlift record there was all these little variations you can make that then classified it as its own record because of the advantage or right disadvantage right. that it gave you yeah so I, yeah, I guess in that regard you know you know from like I said a powerlifting standpoint the straps alone would have disqualified it or if he hitched you know from the side and it was you know visibly noticeable and he you know was riding the plane of his thighs again you mm. know would have disqualified him from the powerlifting but if he was going for just some new all-time world record for deadlift regardless of accessories or rules mm. or something which i don't even know exists you know um yeah because i never try to I would, I would imagine at, at the very least he replicated what eddie did so whatever record eddie has right he did he did the standards to that yeah that's as best i can guess i didn't look into it too much right. i just saw like yeah the months leading up to it he was uh promoting it yeah. saying it was going to be a stream 
and then the, the controversy between um eddie having an issue with it right and, yeah so now they're so going now they're going head to head in a in a in a boxing match too apparently now that <laughs> he's throwing all this training away to focus on something that needs a complete different skill set i know which just <laughs> and, goes to show yeah. like try something try something at least once you know give it the old college try oh. yeah oh, it's gonna be interesting i for, to me um not being like a psychic or anything, but I can picture it being either one of them's going to get dramatically knocked out and it's going to be epic. For sure. Or neither's going to get knocked out and it's going to go the full distance and they're going to have like their hands on their hips. They're going to be like, <laughs> you know, those the jabs that kind of go out and then fall right. before they come back to their face. and right, <laughs> Yeah, right. could go one of two ways. Yeah. With big with big men, it always does. Right. It, I mean, if nothing else, I think it'll be pretty solid entertainment. So in, in yeah. either event, but yeah. Oh, I'm going to watch for sure. Um. We'll, we'll wrap it there, Kelsey. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. I think there was a lot of really valuable stuff that we spoke about sure. um, yeah. today. So yeah, thanks so much for coming on. If people want to follow you on your social media or um, yeah, anything else, what do you want to plug? Where can they find you? Um, I guess Instagram is where I post most of my training um, information and, you know, body physique updates etc sometimes just some crazy stories about my kids doing the most uh driving me crazy but that's gonna be um <laughs> kelsey horton and then one nine eight nine so first name last name and birth year pretty pretty easy right. to find I'll, me. I'll make sure I, yeah i'll make sure i put it all in the description yeah um yeah we should do this again sometime Absolutely. Kelsey. maybe after a competition that you've done a yeah. powerlifting meet or if you decide to do the bodybuilding again or they bring you on as a titan yeah. boss who knows yeah. <laughs> something like that yeah All who knows it. what's gonna happen <laughs> but yeah thanks again kelsey awesome. and uh, i'll talk to you later yeah i appreciate it thank you